0: Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 1930s born actors in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's super color, fragilistic, XP What is this? It's just where you be. What is this? Actors, born in the 1930s. Uh, We are slowly, slowly climbing our way up through the decades, and this is a really good one. Uh, There are very few names on this list that I would expect people to not recognize. Uh, I would say two, maybe three, three names um, that are not the most recognizable uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But there are some of the all-time greats, including some of my absolute favorite actors that have ever or are ever alive or living. And it's it's a it's a strong, strong list. and every single person in this list is in the top ten. Um, this uh, this decade's uh, near miss or number eleven is Dennis Hopper this time. Uh, Dennis Hopper, who is ranked 101st overall, uh, and I've seen 17 films that he's been in, including True Romance, Cool Hand Luke, and Rebel Without a Cause. Uh, a very, very good actor, but um, just... and A lot of the movies I've seen from him bunch around the 60, 70 range, and you know, to be in the top 10, you really do need a higher concentration of... of films in the 90s and 80s more so than the 70s and 60s so Tom uh, uh, Dennis Hopper narrow miss narrow miss for the 1930s top 10 uh, but he will have a fan, uh, a great chance to to make it in next time that we do this episode that being said let us jump right in to this month's top 10 actors born in the 1930s. Down, down. Seven, six, five, four, two, three, two, oh no. Starting today's episode and today's top 10 list at number 10, we have an actor who has been awarded an honorary Academy Award from AMPUS for his long, long tenure in the acting world. Born August 2nd, 1932, passing away December 14th, 2013, at the age of 81. Uh, Born in Ireland, I have seen 16 films to this man's name, with an average film rating of 69 even. He has been nominated for seven Acting Academy Awards, having won zero. He has a value of 10.5, a score of 71.83, to be ranked 86th overall. That is the great and one of my absolute favorite actors of all time, Peter O'Toole, Peter O'Toole, star and leading man of My Favorite Year, How to Steal a Million, Lawrence of Arabia, The Lion in Winter, Venus, Beckett, The Stuntman, The Ruling Class, and many more. Uh, I, I love Peter O'Toole, or using his full name... Peter Seamus Lorkin O'Toole. Uh, he is the first thing I saw him in was uh, Lawrence of Arabia, which is still to date my favorite film that he's ever been in. Uh, I watched it when I was very little, and have seen it one more time since then. And it is, I, I mean, it, he he just is such a force. In, in that film and in all of his films you know he f- sort of reminds me of James Stewart in a way where you know they you think of those those names and they are very much of a single type you know Jimmy Stewart Peter O'Toole feel like they play relatively similar characters in most of their films um, with varying degrees of, of eccentricity or or twitches or or habits that they adjust uh, for their roles. And I think for both of these actors, when you dig a little deeper under the surface, uh, there is a very wide swath of range that they exhibit that maybe isn't reported as much as um, some of the more similar roles that these people have been in. And I think that is true with James Stewart, and I think that even, uh, a little bit, maybe even more true than Peter O'Toole. Uh, you know, he is definitely a, a charismatic, um, eccentric person, and uh, some of his, you know, when you look at My Favorite Year, and The Line in Winter, and, um, you know, going down to The Stuntman, you know, he is playing this over-the-top character, he is playing this over-the-top um, sort of uh, You know, larger than life, hyper realistic uh, person in a lot of these movies, and that's fine. You know, that's that's perfectly fine. You know, there are a lot of movies where that is um, required, necessary, uh, even even um, desired, uh, both in the makers of the film and in the watchers of the film. Uh, You know, something like Stardust or or. you know the the my favorite year. You know when you're playing a, a character who, you know, is as insane and crazy as a lot of these characters that O'Toole has played. Uh, you kind of they kind of all seem to fit the same niche. But I would say, you know, you look at you know maybe his best and most famous role in Lawrence of Arabia. I would say that that is far for more subtle relative to the majority of his body of work uh how to steal a million i think he's able to play that role opposite audrey hepburn very very well he's he's not just you know he he's i would say he's not john cleese from um a lot of john cleese movies uh in that uh where and um you know even even something like venus and the line of winter which the line of winter kind of borders on on this line a bit but venus he's he's very you know, this was his last Oscar-nominated role, he uh, was very old at that point, so didn't really have the bodily range that he (laughs) shows in in things like The Stuntman, things like um, The Ruling Class, even, but, you know, those are roles that he's still able to kind of stretch out a little further and and show more range than we'd seen before, and I, I love that, I think You know, I like when the perception of an actor or a you know filmmaker of any kind is one thing, and yet the reality is is certainly not that thing. You know, uh, more more frequently that happens with comedic actors who can really pull off those dramatic roles, and um, all the more fascinating when. The majority of audiences don't realize That that these com- that these Comedians are able to do such a thing So uh, I really I appreciate Peter O'Toole, I love him I think it's a shame he never won an Oscar I'm really excited To work backwards far enough To when I can incorporate him Into the circle of film awards I'm, I'm imagining quite a handful Of rec- uh, Nominations and recognition For him will happen Uh Let's see, the other films of his I haven't mentioned yet that I've seen, The Last Emperor I think is great, Ratatouille, uh, his voice role in that was fantastic, he's in Troy, uh, his worst film to the date that I've seen is Phantoms, if you don't know what Phantoms is, let me look it up, uh, Phantoms, is a 1998 film, with my summary, is a mysterious life form attacks humans at a ski resort. Gave it an 8. So Peter O'Toole certainly not, not infallible. Uh, he was also in Supergirl, which was really bad. So, uh, definitely has his limitations. Uh, according to Letterboxd, he has been in 90 films. I've seen 17% so I have a long way to go there. Uh, most popular film of his that I haven't seen is 1979's Caligula. Uh, also included on that list would be King Ralph, High Spirits, Hitler: colon, The Rise of Evil, The Savage Innocence, and Bright Young Things, among others. Um. Yeah, he's uh. He's got a lot of movies, and I'm excited to dig into more of them and, and really. I don't know, hopefully see him rise instead of fall in the rankings. You know, he is is very at home going into a, more of a fantasy movie like Stardust, um, but he's still, you know, he, he's definitely at his best in more of a Shakespearean, epic style of film, and that is uh, preferred, <laughs> in my opinion. I think he's he's definitely at his best in those, so... I hope to find a couple more of those to uh, discover along the way. So, number 10. Ranked 89th overall is Peter O'Toole, Peter O'Toole. Number 9. We move up quite a bit here. Uh, Born December 28th, 1934. Still alive uh, from the United Kingdom. A British actor. Uh, She is ranked 73rd overall with twenty-five film credits, an average film rating of sixty-four point sixty-four, four Oscar nominations, and one Academy Award win for acting, a value of thirteen and a score of seventy-two point eight five, is Dame Maggie Smith, known best for her roles in for her role in the Harry Potter movies as Professor McGonagall. Uh, she Rides those performances to great success on the spreadsheet. She is um, one of the few people in the top 100 of my acting list to have zero movies rated higher than an an 89, uh, with her highest film currently being an 88 at Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. But it is her dense, dense allotment of films that avoid being rated lower than a 50 They keep her this high only bad, the, the worst film of hers that I've seen came out this year and that is Sherlock Gnomes which she does a voice role uh, so it's unfortunate, dragged her down a bit uh, kept her probably didn't knock her out of the top 50 but definitely out of the top 60 At uh, I would assume knowing how the numbers work but She has been nominated four times for her performances in A Room with a View, um, The Prime of Miss Jean Brody, which she won an Oscar for, Gosford Park, and Othello. All good films uh, of that list. A Room with a View is definitely my favorite, uh, ranking as her second best movie overall. It is difficult to parse through the Harry Potter films. Uh, She's been in Nanny McPhee Returns. The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, The Secret Garden, Murder by Death, um, and Sister Act, among others. Uh, Hook as well, uh, if that is um, a film that you enjoy. I'm okay with it. But Maggie Smith is great. Uh, you know, obviously, McGonagall can never, I shall never find a character more representative of. Her work than McGonagall, I I think it won't ever even be close. And I think uh, that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think she has definitely a fantastic body of work. She has 75 film credits on Letterboxd, so I've seen 33% of them. But just looking down this list of the ones I haven't seen, you have... Uh, 2015's The Lady in the Van, 1981's Clash of the Titans, Sister Act 2, The First Wives Club from 96, Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile from 78, Richard III, uh, 2012's Quartet, um, The Divine Sisters*, uh, *Divine Secrets of the Aya Sisterhood, Evil Under the Sun from 82, California Suite from 1978, uh, and and so on and so on and so on. Tea with Mussolini, Ladies in Lavender, The Pumpkin Eater, The VIPs, Oh What a Lovely War, Travels with My Aunt, David Copperfield, uh, etc., etc., etc. Huge list, long list, a lot of people, big names, and uh, Maggie Smith is just just timeless, timeless. Uh, You know she. Broke. Out. I mean, obviously, she was very, very well-known, very famous before being in the first Harry Potter movie, but which was, you know, 17 years ago. But, you know, at that point, she was already 67 years old when that movie came out, which is crazy. And uh, she's, um, you know, that was a huge hit. You know, she was 67 when she had her biggest movie of all time, and that only served to, you know, be replaced the next year by Chamber of Secrets, and then by Azka- Prisoner of Azkaban, and then Goblet of Fire, and so on and so on. And uh, it's it's just it's fantastic, and I'm I'm very pleased by it. It, it led me to her and to more of her films, and, and watching a lot of her more older performances when she was younger. And you know she is just as fantastic of an actor uh, in her 30s as she is now in her 70s, 80s, and it's it's been great to have grown up with her as mcgonagall and now that i have passed over harry potter and it's finished and i I don't expect her to reprise her role in any of these fantastic beast movies or, or so on and so forth but uh it's it's been great to go back and really look at some of her older films and and See you know where was everyone else's mindset you know when you're in your thirties forties fifties and the Harry Potter movies are coming out and you've grown up with having seen all of these other um, roles that uh, Maggie Smith has played so that is fascinating and and really enjoyable and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing more movies of hers <laughs> I, I really uh, you know she's eighty four. No, she turns 84 in December and uh, still going, still going, it's crazy, it's amazing. My number nine is Maggie Smith. Number eight, number eight, we move up to number 63 overall. Also born in the UK, born January 30th, 1937 and still alive. With 23 film credits that I've seen and an average film rating of 66.43, two Oscar nominations that I've seen, one win, a value of 12.5, and a score of 73.62, is uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Vanessa Redgrave is also amazing. She is kind of like... um, Maggie Smith, if she had never done a Harry Potter movie, <laughs> almost. Uh, some of the her most popular film that she's been in on Letterboxd is Mission: colon, Impossible, the first one. Uh, my favorite film that she's been in is Coriolanus, uh, which I think is fantastic. She has also been in Atonement, and The Devil's uh, Venus, Howard's End, A Man for All Seasons, Prick Up Your Ears. Murder on, the, Murder on the Orient Express, the original, well, the uh, the first one, the previous one before Kenneth Branagh's. Uh, she was nominated and won an Oscar for her performance in Julia. I believe it was a supporting performance. She was in Foxcatcher recently, Lee Daniels the Butler, uh, Blow Up, The Whistleblower, Deep Impact, and so on. Um, her second nomination that I've seen is from... Howard's End, which she was nominated for an Oscar for, Uh, she's been in just so many, uh, you know, a lot of films, she has 124 film credits on Letterboxd, and I've seen 18% of them at 23 films, Uh, that is pretty substantial, you know, over 100 movies of hers that I yet to watch, Uh, they're not all good. They're not all good um, some of the war- weaker films of hers uh, good boy in which she plays a voice role uh, about dogs that can talk dogs that can talk came out in 2003. Uh, also she does a voice role in cars 2 which is my least favorite cars movie. no it's one point ahead of cars three it's I mean interchangeable flip a coin. And then um, her worst film, in my opinion, is uh, Smila's Sense of Snow, which I wasn't a big fan of, uh, but I know it has its supporters out there. Uh, Some of the more popular films of hers that I haven't seen yet include 2001's The Pledge, uh, 2011's Anonymous, 1997's Wild. The House of the Spirits from 93, also starring Meryl Streep. Uh, Little Odessa from 94, The Secret Scripture from 2016, Camelot from 1967, A Quiet Place in the Country, Um, Isadora, Oh What a Lovely War, Um, Agatha from 1979, Uh, a lot of films, a lot of movies, just scrolling down here. Uh, you know, when you get to the bottom of someone's letterboxed film credits, it kind of starts to feel like you're just looking through uh, TV movies and, and direct-to-DVD stuff. And, um, I mean, that that's with everybody. I don't think anyone is uh, is able to avoid that any at all. And certainly it happens to Red, Vanessa Redgrave as well. But it takes a while. Like the top, I don't know, 60 movies or so, all feel like significant real movies that uh, came out in a theater. So uh, that remains to be seen. Um, We'll see as I get further into her filmography if that is the case. But yeah, there's a lot of great looking posters at least. So I'm a big fan of Redgrave. I I think Good Boy is probably the first movie I saw that she was in, but that's kind of silly. But I think, uh, you know, I love her in The Devils. Uh, That is the one I would say is my favorite performance of hers. Uh, She plays um, the lead, second lead role behind Oliver Reed. And it's, it's, it's really, really a fantastic film. And she is fantastic in it. So my number eight, number 63 overall, is Vanessa Redgrave. Moving on to number 7. We are still just outside the top 50 at number 55 overall. Born in California on May 31st, 1930. Still alive. With 18 film credits that I've seen. An average rating of 69.17. Two Oscar nominations that I've seen. uh, No wins. A value of 12 and a score of 74.25. Now probably... Gonna, going to be spending more of his time behind the camera than in front of it is Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Uh, he, I mentioned two Oscar nominations. Uh, they are Unforgiven and Million Dollar Baby, which are his one and two films, on my in my opinion, respectively. Uh, also very well known for the Man With No Name trilogy of Fistful of Dollars for a Few Dollars More and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. All good movies in their own rights. But Clint Eastwood is um, yeah, he is he's a a man of singular talents, I would say for the most part. You know, he has been in a lot of westerns, he's played a lot of cops, he's kind of a grouchy old guy ever since Gran Torino and Million Dollar Baby came out in in the mid to late aughts. Uh, and that's fine. you know he, he has a thing he does and he does it really, really well. And I don't know. Uh, you know there's there's not much to it than, more than that. you know, in the line of fire is great. Uh, but and, and when he ventures out of that kind of niche uh, as he does in say, play Misty for me or the bridges of Madison County, you know, he does have success and he is capable of, of doing that. Uh, which I, I think you know, just show You know, he is a good actor. He's not just you know one-dimensional in that respect. But he, he plays a lot of the same roles, and that's you know that can't really be disputed. Um, he's got 104 credits on Letterboxd. I've seen 18, so that's 17% of his filmography. So I still have a long way to go uh, through a lot of a lot of his similar roles uh, you know, High Plains Drifter, Escape from Alcatraz The Beguiled, uh, Magnum Force Pale Rider, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot Where Eagles Dare, Sudden Impact, Hang em High The Enforcer, The Deadpool um, Bloodwork, Every Which Way But Loose Two Mules for Sister Sarah, The Gauntlet Coogan's Bluff, all of these films look based on their poster the exact same <laughs> uh with i mean a couple of uh you know joe joe kid um the Iger sanction the rookie true crime any which way you can uh, you know they all feel like they're going to be this very similar movies they all feel like he's going to play a similar role so you know i i think there's Definitely room for that to to open up, and I'll be pleased to see a little more nuance and layers to to Mike Clint Eastwood performances. But now I I you know I mentioned that he's become more of a director lately. I'm far more fascinated with his direct directorial efforts uh, than I am with his performances at this point. I've seen 15 of the films he's directed, uh, and I'm you know looking this forward to seeing more of them to be fa- to be honest I think he's he's got a good steady hand behind the camera and uh, I think it comes with just how much experience he has in, in acting and knowing film as well as he does. So I'm I like Clint Eastwood I do I, I think he's a tad overrated a tad just a tad remains to be seen you know I'll, I'll re I'll look back at him and see what happens when I get my film count of his up into the 30s or so and and we'll see if he's been able to maintain this this position that he's in so uh yeah number number seven uh, number 55 overall is Clint Eastwood Clint Eastwood moving on to number six. We are taking a huge jump up to number 6 at 29th overall. We are in the top 30 for the top 6 people in this decade. Uh, That is pretty outstanding. Uh, You know, one-fifth of the people in the top 30 were born in the 1930s. That's a lot. That's a a strong showing. Or one-sixth, I'm sorry, one-sixth. This person born in the United Kingdom, September 12th, 1931, with 24 film counts that I've seen, films that credits that I've seen, uh, an average film rating of 67.63, one Oscar nomination, no wins, 15 point value, and a score of 77.42 is none other than Sir Ian Holm. Sir Ian Holm. Uh, Known famously as Bilbo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings films. Uh, Also very well known for his performance in Alien um, as the android Ash and uh, also finding a lot of acclaim, not acclaim, but recognition in The Fifth Element. Uh, He was in Chariots of Fire, The Sweet Hereafter. Uh, He has been around. (laughs) He has certainly been around. His single Oscar nomination came from his performance in chariots of fire which i think is very very okay very okay alien is my favorite film of his that he's been in followed by return of the king the sweet hereafter and the two towers um you know his his weakest film is from hell and that's not even that weak of a film uh, i gave it a 34 so he's managed to avoid a lot of A lot of pretty awful movies so far. Um, At 24 film credits, uh, that's 24% of the 100 films that he has been in, supposedly, according to Letterboxd. And there's a lot. Uh, That's a lot of movies. Some of the films of his that I haven't seen um, include Naked Lunch from 1991. Another Woman from 88, A Life Less Ordinary, Henry V, uh, Kafka, The Madness of King George, Renaissance, and um, Jesus of Nazareth from 77. A lot of films, uh, you know, doing the same thing, you know, oh, what a lovely war. He was in that too. Uh, apparently a lot of people were. But yeah he he kind of has the same thing as Vanessa Redgrave you know I'm scrolling through and there's still a lot of movies on towards the middle of this list where they look reasonable they look you know well produced well made you know with a real budget so it's going to be interesting to kind of get deeper into uh, this this filmography of his and, and really, you know, I, you know, Ian Holm, generally playing a supporting actor, uh, with the exception of um, the Sweet Hereafter. I think he he finds his his I don't know, he he finds his best roles as a supporting performer, and that is, I mean, that's great. You know, not everyone is can be wants to be a leading man. I I don't know what Ian Holm's aspirations were in that regard, but he has. You know, he was perfect as Bilbo in the Lord of the Rings. Um he is great in The Aviator, The Day After Tomorrow, The Fifth Element, Brazil, Uh, his voice role in Ratatouille, Garden State, Time Bandits, uh, Lord of War. Uh, You know, he's Big Knight. Big Knight's a good one. Robin and Marion. Uh, he he's been in a lot of movies and and he he brings enough of a presence enough of a what am i looking what word am i looking for and he just he pulls it off he pulls it off and he he never feels underserved in in that in those mov- in those films in those smaller roles he he's able to take what's given to him and make it feel like it's more than that You know, he he expands upon some of these tinier roles in in a great way. So I'm a big fan of Ian Holm. Uh, He's, uh, I don't know if he's got any new movies coming out. Um, Looking on Letterboxd, he hasn't been in anything since the Battle of the Five Armies back in 2014. So uh, he may have been, he may have moved over to... uh, television, or the stage, or just away from acting for the time being, so, which is a shame, you know, he's only been in four movies since Ratat, including and since Ratatouille, and all of them are Middle Earth stories, Uh, which, you know, hey, more power to him, he's, he's totally earned the respite, so. Big fan of Ian Holm. Love him in Alien. Easily his best movie. In my, um, in my opinion, his best movie and, and one of his best performances um, as Ash, who he he's fantastic as that android. So number six in 1930, in the 1930s, number 29 overall is Ian Holm. Ian Holm. Now we get to two people. Who uh, you probably don't recognize. I may have mentioned them before. But uh, they are definitely not names that you hear bandied around the water cooler. Uh, Number 5, born in the 1930s. Number 28 overall, so just one spot above Ian Holm. Born October 24th, 1930 in California with 45 45 film credits. An average film rating of 62.09. No Oscar nominations, a value of 18, and a score of 77.45 is Jack Angel. Jack Angel. Jack Angel, right. Uh, He is a voice actor, very minimal role voice actor. He has been in at least 60 films, according to Letterboxd, which I did the most of the work in tracking down and adding the credits to. Uh, I've seen... 45 films, some of them still aren't even on Letterboxd, but it is what it is The most popular that I haven't seen is The Brave Little Toaster Followed by The Transformers, colon, The Movie uh, Yeah, he's, he's a voice actor That's pretty much it and his voice roles include, but are not limited to, every Toy Story movie, Monsters, Inc. and University, Beauty and the Beast, Cars, Bugs Life, Beetlejuice, Iron Giant, Aladdin, Finding Nemo, artificial AI, Artificial Intelligence, Little Mermaid, Roger Rabbit, Hercules, Lilo and Stitch, Despicable Me 2, Noah, Tarzan, Hunchback and Notre Dame, Prince of Egypt, Treasure Plant, Ice Age 2, Lorax, Horton Hears a Hue, Rescuers Down Under, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, and Balto, and more. Um... He is fits in that you know I have a couple handful of people who fit this role Including the next person on this list uh, So it is what it is uh, Some of the other films of his I haven't seen uh, The Chipmunk Adventure uh, A Troll in Central Park G.I. Joe the movie 1975's Funny Lady 1985's Making Contact 1992's Mom and Dad Save the World um yeah that's that's it Grim Fandango from 1998 Voltron colon Fleet of Doom from 1986 yeah some movies definitely some movies Jack Angel yeah number 28 overall number five this month moving on to number four. One spot ahead of Jack Angel at 27th overall, born January 2nd, 1938 in California, with 53 film credits, and an average film rating of 61.72, a value of 18, and a score of 77.47. Once again, say it with me, Mickey McGowan. Mickey Mickey McGowan. Yep, Uh, she is also a voice actor who plays very tiny roles. Uh... She is another person who I have done a lot of work in expanding their filmography on Letterboxed. She has 53 credits on Letterboxd, but I've seen 48 of them. She's but I've actually seen 53, so again, film credits that aren't matching up here. Um she has been in not, you know, pretty much everything that I just mentioned for Jack Angel also included Mickey McGowan. Films that I didn't mention for Jack Angel that Mickey McGowan was in. Are included to, but not including, but not limited to: Shrek 2, Up, Wall-E, Inside Out, um, Emperor's New Groove, Tarzan, Die Hard 2, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Minions, Hocus Pocus, Treasure Planet, Brother Bear, 101 Dalmatians, the live-action version, Surf's Up, The Mighty Ducks, Turner and Hooch. Home on the Range, Osmosis Jones, City Slickers, Pocahontas 2, Cinderella 2, Doug's first movie, Theodore Rex, and others. The five films on her letterbox that I haven't seen are Young Guns 2, Steven Seagal's Marked for Death, Free Jack, Transylvania 6-5000, and Menno's Mind the five I haven't seen. yeah uh, to talk about Mickey McGowan and Jack Angel together um, I don't know they're just uh, voice actors like uh, you know previous number one overall currently not number one overall as we will talk about in a minute uh, Sherry Lynn who spent forever as the number one ranked actor on the on my list above all else. Uh, Mickey McGowan and Jack Angel Have both spent their hand, their fair share of time In the top 10 overall Having dropped to the bottom to The low 20's now um, As the really only films Left to see with any of these people Are very obscure Very often bad animated films So Mickey McGowan and Jack Angel That's, uh, that's really it though Mickey McGowan number 27 overall Number four. Four, Born in the 1930s So let's get back to people we know People we recognize, names we love Names we cherish and respect And look up to Number 3 Born in the 1930s Also number 15th overall Born April 22nd, 1937 Still alive, born in New Jersey With 24 film credits That I've seen An average film rating of 69.88 12 Count them 12 Oscar nominations, three wins, a value of 16.5, and a score of 81 even, is the great Jack Nicholson. John Joseph, quote, Jack unquote Nicholson. He is one of the best. And I think uh, you know, it's he's kind of become a caricature later on in his career, but Definitely in his heyday, between One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Chinatown, uh, The Shining, Batman, Easy Rider, uh, you know he he was just incredible. He he had some of the best movies, best performances of all time. Uh, I mentioned twelve nominations here we go, he won an Oscar for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, he was nominated for Chinatown, he was nominated for Reds, he was nominated for Five Easy Pieces, nominated for Easy Rider and A Few Good Men, he won for Terms of Endearment, was nominated for The Last Detail, he won for As Good As It Gets, was nominated for About Schmidt, Ironweed and Pritzy's Honor and that's it, those are the 12 that's half of the movies I've seen he was nominated for an Oscar for Which is incredible, absolutely incredible. Best movie of his I have seen that he was not nominated for an Oscar for is currently Broadcast News. Broadcast News, Uh, which uh, came out in nineteen eighty-seven, and um, yeah, he's he's more of he's a smaller role in Broadcast News, but it is a great movie. Uh, what can I say? You know, he's, you know, he fits a mold. Uh, I think the first time I really recognized him and understood who I was watching was when I saw him in *Anger Management*, uh, the Adam Sandler film. But since then, you know, seeing him in *The Departed* and *Mars Attacks*, um, *Batman*, you know, started the the uh, better understanding of who he is and what he can do as an actor. And then you know you see him in Little Shop of Horrors, uh, and and so on and so forth. You know he, you know only only served only expanded his um, his skills and abilities as I continued to explore his films, and you know he's one of the most nominated actors of all time, and uh, you know he. According to Letterboxd, the statistic says uh, he is the one of only two actors nominated for an Academy Award for acting in every decade from the 1960s to the 2000s. So across five decades, which is pretty impressive. Uh, the other person on that uh, of that list would have been would be Michael Caine. Uh, so Nicholson still uh, two two more <laughs> Oscar years left if he wants to try and extend that decade streak to the 2010s. I don't think it's very likely. <laughs> um, his ever since The Departed, I think his movies have gone fairly, pretty downhill. Uh, but you know, there's still, still time, still time. Uh, so movies of his that I haven't seen: uh, The Bucket List with Morgan Freeman, The Passenger with Maria Schneider, The Witches of Eastwick, The Pledge, Wolf. Uh, Carnal Knowledge, The Shooting, The King of Marvin Gardens, and The Raven from 1963. Uh, I like, I really want to see more um, westerns with Jack Nicholson. I really liked him in, uh, what was the western I saw him in? Uh, Going South. I liked him in that. I like seeing him in that environment. So I'm curious to see some more uh, westerns that he's in, and yeah, I just I'm just a big fan of his. Uh, I don't know that he gets like twelve nominations from me going backward, but he's he's got a couple big ones, definitely uh, as the years pass. So really looking forward to to seeing more sides of Jack Nicholson. Uh, my favorite film, easily by far, and my favorite performance of his is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, I think it's just stupendous, exceptional, and amazing. And, uh, yeah, Jack Nicholson, number three, born in the 1930s, number 15, overall. Moving on to my number two, my number two, born in the 1930s. He's uh, number sixth overall, born January 30th, 1930 in California, still alive. Still alive. And I believe January 30th, 1930 puts him as uh, the oldest person on this 1930s list. With 22 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 71.14, four Oscar nominations, and two wins that I've seen, um, and a value of 18.5. And a score of 83.71 is the incredible Gene Hackman. Uh, He's actually been nominated for five Oscars. I have not seen one of those performances. The four performances that I have seen include his roles in Bonnie and Clyde, Unforgiven, which he won, uh, French Connection, which he won, and Mississippi Burning. Mississippi Mississippi Burning was a film. Man, what a tough, tough watch. Gene Hackman has been in some of the best films. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde in Unforgiven, Young Frankenstein, The Royal Tenenbaums, uh, one of the better uh, superhero movies in Superman, The Conversation, Reds, which he was in with Jack Nicholson, Uh, Runaway Jury is probably the first and more recognizable place I've seen him in. I've seen that movie quite a lot and I, i Really like him in that. I think he's very good. Uh, Postcards from the Edge, Enemy of the State, The Firm, Crimson Tide, The Replacements, uh, a lot of good movies, a lot of recognizable, fantastic, uh, you know, wide net casting movies that you know a lot of people are aware of and have seen, uh, so on and so forth. He's been in Ants, uh, the Bugs Life variant that came out the same year. Uh, he's he's got a, he's got a catalog uh, ninety three credits on Letterboxed I've seen twenty three percent of them uh, including but not limited uh, some of the films of his I haven't seen uh, so this one's kind of a bit of bit of contention Superman two I've seen Superman two the Richard Donner cut which is on Letterboxed a different film uh, so I haven't seen the actual Superman two yet. I don't know if I want to do that. But I I guess I will at some point. Get Shorty. Superman 4. The Quest for Peace. Night Moves from 75. The Mexican from 2001. Hoosiers. The Poseidon Adventure. Behind Enemy Lines. Scarecrow from 73. Another Woman. uh, Which he's in. A Bridge Too Far. No Way Out. Absolute Power. And 2001's. Heartbreakers, with Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, yeah, so by my by my account, still a quite a f- quite a few number of good movies left to see. Left to see. Only awful film of his I've seen at this point is Loose Cannons, which I gave a two. Um, it's it's Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd, Dom DeLuise. And Ronnie Cox. Uh, it's 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 just a really terrible buddy cop comedy. Um, it's 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 very very silly and in all the worst ways. Uh, but for the most part, pretty thumbs up on all of the Gene Hackman movies I've seen, and uh, looking forward to seeing more of them. You know I think he's he's a fantastic actor. I don't. I think I would put Jack Nicholson above him personally, but he's still pretty fantastic. He's a very, very good actor, and and you know his his reputation precedes him. Um, I think uh, *Unforgiven* and *Conversation* his Oscar-winning roles uh, are really great, and he he's fantastic. Uh, he deserves that recognition. So I'm, I'm excited to venture further into his filmography. Uh, not super excited about the Superman movies, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's Gene Hackman, guys. It's Gene freaking Hackman. Number six, overall, number six. Uh, number two, born in the 1930s. So that brings us to number one. Uh, And I say number one, not because this person is the highest rated actor born in the 1930s, which he is, but also because he is the new number one overall on the acting spreadsheet. Uh, After, what film was it that dropped Sherry Lynn? Um, Something did. And now I don't know what it was. The trigger effect, the trigger effect dropped Sherry Lynn from first to third. And the beneficiary of that move is none other than Born in Japan, December 13th, 1932, 10 film credits, and an average film rating of 88.4. To put that in perspective, the next person with an 80 plus average film rating is Kamatari Fujiwara, who is ranked 64th overall. Uh, it's it's obscene how highly rated uh, these films have, have been. And to that point, the lowest rated film in this actor's filmography that I've seen so far is a 79. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's it's pretty it's ridiculous. I don't know. His value is a 17. His score is a 90.67. He is currently the only person with a score above 90. And that is the amazing Tatsuya Nakadai. Whew, yes. Tatsuya Nakadai, he is a Japanese actor who has worked with uh, Kurosawa on Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, Sanjuro, high and low ran he has also worked with uh, masaki, masaki kobayashi on my one of my absolute favorite films of all time harakiri he has been in two animated films as a voice role in the tale of the princess kaguya and belladonna of sadness and on top of all that he has uh, worked with masaki kobayashi on the human condition 1 and 2 uh, um, no Greater Love and Road to Eternity I have yet to see the third one but I'm really really looking forward to it it is definitely soon to be seen uh, so these ten films all absolutely fantastic uh, the lowest rated one is Seven Samurai uh, which I think is very good but not great uh, so that kind of gives you a little bit of perspective of what just, just how ob- obscene uh, his his filmography is, in my opinion, and at this moment, um, looking when you sort out <laughs> on the spreadsheet, uh, people, anyone who hasn't had a movie rated under a seventy, uh, the list is not very long, <laughs> and the number of people in that club with more than five films total is 4 people. It's Mercedes McCambridge, who has been in uh, films like Giant, All the King's Men, Johnny Guitar, Suddenly Last Summer. Um, It is people like uh, Takeshi Kato, who has been in uh, Kurosawa Films, Kamatari Fujiwara, who I mentioned before, Kurosawa Films, and Tatsuya Nakadai. The other 3 people have only been in 6 films. Nakadai, the only person in more than 6, with 10. It's he kind of puts everyone else to shame, uh, for the time being. That said, he has 107 film credits on Letterboxd. I've seen nine percent of them, very, very tiny sample size. And looking through some of these, I'm sure, I am sure that there are bad films on this list. Some of these posters are pretty atrocious, uh, but I have to get to them. And to get to them, you know, there are still some. Really well regarded, highly rated films to pass through, including Kwaidan, Kagamusha, uh, the third human condition film, Samurai Rebellion from '67, The Face of Another, The Sword of Doom. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of stuff left. And I, I think, you know, he is likely to stay at the top of this list for quite some time. And that's you know more power to him. You know I'm I'm really impressed by his performances. I think he's a fantastic actor. I would put him uh, easily alongside you know the best actors in the world, uh, not just you know other Japanese actors like Toshiro Mifune or or uh, you know um, who else um, like uh, Taka- Takashi Shimura, you know. Both fine, fantastic actors in their own right, but for me Nakadai has just really excelled. Um, he's not just riding the coattails of Kurosawa to get these great film credits; he is absolutely earning each and every one of them, and it's it's stunning. It's fantastic to see him in these films and and working. Um, yeah, Nakadai. Uh, it's it's. He's number one, every every everything. He's he's just number one, uh, and I'm very excited to dive deeper into his filmography. Very excited to watch more of his his acting because, you know, like I said, I'm a huge fan. I think he's he just I don't know he 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 has it's it's always tough when you watch a foreign language film to really assess performances because. You know you have to read the subtitles and I've, I've talked about this before but like you have to read the subtitles so your attention isn't perfectly on the actors all the time and the words are being translated so they're not precisely precisely what the actors are saying and conveying in their mannerisms and, and physicality but I think man uh, you know Nakadai is if not the best one of the best at, at translating that for, for foreign audiences. And I think he he just gives spectacular performances. Harakiri, you know, one of the six films I've ever I've currently given a one hundred to. Uh, he owns that movie. He absolutely owns that movie from start to finish. Uh, as um. You know, as the lead, he is the lead in in Harakiri, and he is the lead in. Uh, the the Human Condition films, so and. You know, he plays strong supporting roles, uh, generally speaking, in Kurosawa's movies. So, Tatsuya Nakadai, check him out, really. He is He's quite something. So, um, he's my number one from 1930s. Number one overall, just to run down the list one more time, give you a refresher of who was where and doing what. Number 10, Peter O'Toole. Number 9, Maggie Smith. Number 8. Vanessa Redgrave, number 7. Clint Eastwood, number 6. Ian Holm, number 5. Jack Angel, number 4. Mickey McGowan, number 3. Jack Nicholson, number 2. Gene Hackman, and number 1. Tatsuya Nakadai. That is the top 10 actor list uh, of actors born in the 1930s as it stands right now. And... That's it. We will one day revisit this list, see if anyone has changed, anyone has reordered themselves, anyone has broken in or fallen off. And uh, until that time, I just want to thank you for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. If you would like to check out more episodes, you can find those on circleoffilm.com. If you would like to get in touch with me for any reason at all, you can head over to film at gmail.com. Uh, to email me or at Circle of Film on Twitter. Always, always looking for top 100 or more movie lists from anybody um, of any persuasion uh, to add to the list. And um, beyond that, uh, if you would like to support the show, you can do so for as little as eight cents an episode over on Patreon.com/CircleOfFilm. Thank you so much, uh, and as always, have a week so long farewell i'll be the same good night i know she'll never leave me even as she fades.